0: This podcast is a presentation of Indianola First Assembly of God Church. For more information, please visit us online at indianolafirst.com. Thank you for uh, worshiping and entering into worship this morning with us. Uh, man, there's a sweet sense of His presence here in this place. Amen. Man, I love this church family. We, uh, we have been in a series as of late called Kingdom Builders, actually the whole month of September, Kingdom builders, and we started this series out, if you remember, with uh, building it within yourself, letting letting God build His kingdom within you, and you giving Him permission to do that. Because how many know if you don't build it in you, if you don't let it be built in you, you can't build it anywhere else. And we're called; we are called to be kingdom builders. That means we take the kingdom of God wherever we go. In every situation, in every circumstance, in all that we do, we are kingdom builders. Then we went to week two and we, uh, we talked about building it in our home. You got to build it in yourself first, but then you got to build it in your home. And how many know that that can be very difficult at times? How many have ever had kids? Okay, that can be difficult, but you build it in your home and you do the things you have to. I think the word we talked about was authenticity, that if you are authentic, in your faith if you are authentic as a kingdom builder as a person of faith as a person of god it's a lot easier it's a key word authenticity a lot easier to build in your home when you're authentic you can't be two people uh different places you have to be the same person all the time amen and then we went to building it within your circles and how many know these build on each other if you don't have it built in your home it's pretty hard to build it in your circle it's the way it is A lot of Christians get caught right there They stop right there Well, I'm not building it myself So it's not getting built in my home So I'm not building it in my circle So then why build it at all? And that's sad I've given you statistics We talked about uh, uh, building it in your circles We used the word The, the, the word that we used was engage You've got to be engaged, right? In the process There's no doubt Well, this morning We're going to talk Building it beyond our borders building it beyond our borders. And uh, I couldn't think of a better way than to have somebody else come and speak about this. I mean, you've heard me for a few weeks in a row. (laughs) But we have a special guest with us here today. He is our former superintendent of the Iowa district, Tom Jacobs. Uh, He has recently resigned his position here and he's taken a position in Pittsburgh, Kansas, a church there. the cool thing about having uh, Tom Jacobs as a as a superintendent in, in Iowa and, and getting to work underneath uh, him and with him and him with us is is that he's got a pastor's heart through and through, and it, it, it shows in his preaching, and it showed in all that he did uh, with the district. Uh, I want you to know that this this man is important to me, and I'm I'm I feel like I was losing something very precious. Uh, by him going to to Kansas, but I know it's God's will, so I'm not going to say anything about that, all right? (laughs) But uh, Tom has been, um, since I've been a lead pastor, has been a mentor to me, an example to me, and a wonderful, wonderful friend. He's my pastor, has been my pastor. When I need things, and I need help, and I need some encouragement, I have always been able to call Pastor Tom, and I appreciate that so much, brother. So why don't you give him a, a warm welcome as he comes and shares the next part of this series?
1: Thanks, I love you. Wow, thank you, Pastor. That is so kind and uh, certainly mutual. You you know how blessed you are to have your pastor and the pastoral team that you've got. Uh, pastor Barry and Alyssa and the entire team are. Off the charts, awesome. What we've done is we've just tried to keep that a secret so that nobody comes and steals them from you. So uh, let's just keep that among us, okay? But seriously, uh, Pastor Barry has been a huge help to to me uh, as uh, when I was superintendent, uh, serving on the finance team multiple times uh, when when we uh, were looking at advancing some agendas in the in the network, I'd run things past your pastor and just say, hey, how do you think this would work in the local church? What do you think about this? So it's been very, very mutual uh, in our relationship and just wanna say thank you. Also, something happened to me in worship this morning. There was a sweet presence of God here this morning. Something happened and I don't know if this is the Holy Spirit or my third cup of coffee, so... Um, but I I just had a sense. By the way, what a wonderful worship team you have! Wow. I kept thinking, okay, yeah, Pastor Barry, he's got a good voice, he's trained, yeah, whatever. Um, then other people let out, and every voice was like equally strong, and and not just giftings on the team, the musicians, but there's an anointing. That happens. That is re- a result of prayer. It's a result of time with God. So, kudos. But what I saw that that wasn't the part. That's not prophetic or anything. Um, but what I what I saw as I was worshiping um, was not just the worship team here, but but a sea of people behind them, kind of lining up almost in a V V-shaped pattern, coming behind them. And what I kind of heard, uh, and I believe it's from the Lord, was multiplication multiplication, that this team is not all there is here or what there's going to be, but you're going to be multipliers. So uh, take that for what you will, if if God's confirming something in in your heart, um, take that for what you will. Wow, it is great to be here. This is our last Sunday preaching in Iowa. Not that I'm going to die, but we're moving to Kansas. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to die. Uh, All of us, anyway. uh, but we're so, so blessed to be here and part of, uh, part of this church. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the footprint that you have left in the, in the network in Iowa in a little bit. But I wanted to get into the word this morning. And as we do that, I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being the church. I'm convinced thoroughly of this, that when people who are far from God see the church acting rightly, really being the church, really being the people following Jesus, that when they catch a glimpse of us living that way, they'll catch a glimpse of Jesus. And when they catch a glimpse of Jesus, they'll fall in love with him. Because everybody does. When they see the real Jesus, they fall in love with him. And they're seeing him through you. So thanks for being the church and being a healthy church and a life-giving church and a multiplying church. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And Pastor gave me a whole agenda for the morning. And Pastor, I lost it somewhere. So we're out by two for sure, right? Okay, uh, I'm, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Matthew chapter 28. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came and looked, uh, to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, the women, by the way, the guards, these big beefy guards, as I'm imagining them, shook for fear, fell over like dead men. The women, however, just stood there. They were a little stronger than, than the guys, I'm just saying. Um The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. This is wonderful. He's not here, for he's risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Heavenly Father, this morning as we look into your word, I pray that your word would intersect with our lives, with the life of this church, with the life of the leadership in this church, that your word would be empowered by your Holy Spirit, and that, Lord, in fact, you would give direction to individual lives, as Pastor has shared, that you would give direction to families, and that you would give direction to this church as they seek to go beyond their borders into the new places that you have for them. So, Lord, do that work in us this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. There's a story I came across uh, going back to World War II. A young American soldier had fallen in love with a French young woman, and uh, the young woman knew that her grandmother, whom she lived with, would not approve of the relationship. And so they kept it a secret from her, but... uh, They had seen each other off and on during the war as the young soldier was able to. And as the war was drawing to a close, they found themselves on a train, the young woman traveling with her grandmother and the young man, a private, traveling with his general. So they're sitting opposite each other on the train. The train went through a a tunnel. Everything went black. And in the midst of the blackness, there were two things that were heard. One was a kiss and the other was a slap. The young woman thought it was very nice of him to reach across and give me a kiss. But unfortunately, he kissed my grandmother. And obviously, she slapped him. Wait, wait, wait. That's not, that's not right. The young woman thought it was forward of him to kiss me. But it's a good thing that my grandmother had the good sense to slap him. The young, I'll, I'll get this all mixed up. The grandmother thought it was very forward Of him to kiss my granddaughter, but it was good for her to slap him back. The general thought it was very forward of him to kiss that young woman, and it's unfortunate that she slapped me. And the young man, the private, thought, what an opportunity, in the blackness of this tunnel, to kiss my girlfriend and slap a general at the same time. (laughs) Perspective makes all the difference. Perspective makes all the difference. And our perspective on the life of Jesus, the story of, of his life, his death, his resurrection. Our perspective on that makes all the difference too, because how we respond to Jesus, and you know this, but how we respond to Jesus really becomes the watershed in all of our lives. It's a little bit like the continental divide here in the United States, you know, the, the The theory is, at least theoretically, that rain that falls on one side of the continental divide will ultimately end up in the Pacific Ocean. Rain that falls on the other side of the continental divide will ultimately end in the Atlantic Ocean. That's at least theoretically what would happen. And our perspective on Jesus has that same kind of an effect on our lives. He calls us to make a decision for or against him. His life really is the pivotal life in all of history. And how we respond to it affects everything in our lives. The biblical story of his life on earth forces people to decide. And maybe this morning you may be deciding, you may be thinking about these things, but but I really have to determine personally, is Jesus God? Is he in fact God in the flesh? Did he really? Do I believe that he died to pay the penalty for my sin? Do I believe that? Personally, Do I believe that he rose from the dead? He calls us to that kind of a decision. Do I believe that he can change lives today? Do I believe that he can change my life today? It really is this pivotal decision that we have. And, and the angel at the tomb forced these two women to that same kind of a decision. Because the angel said something that, that really is fascinating to me. He, he did not say... Women, what do you think about what you're seeing? He didn't ask, "What do you believe about this?" What he said to the women was, "He's risen from the dead," and and these two words, "Come, see." Come, see. Essentially what the angel was saying was, "Come and experience the resurrection. Come and experience the resurrection." Because belief in Jesus is experiential. I think if there's one thing that we as, as Pentecostals or full gospel people, charismatic people, if there's one thing that we've caught hold of, it's this, that simply believing rightly, though that's extremely important, it's not enough. In fact, the, God, the, the book of James says that you believe that, uh, uh, that God is one you do well, the demons also believe and tremble. So belief is, is, is good and it's right, right? Belief is essential, but the, the essence of Christianity, the essence of Christianity is relationship. It's experiential. That's why the angel said, come and see. Because he didn't want these women just to, to kind of theorize about the resurrection. He wanted them to see where Jesus had been. He wanted them to experience it. John chapter 17 and verse 3 says, this is eternal life. Not that they believe rightly about you, but this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So God doesn't merely call us to correct doctrine. He calls us to this experiential relationship. And I would encourage you this morning, if maybe you're on the fence today, maybe you're asking the questions, what do I believe about all of this? I would encourage you to take the leap of faith and jump into the experience to really uh, throw yourself onto the mercies of God because he is alive and he does change lives and he calls us to experience it. So when when we do that, what do we experience? What do we experience? We experience, I would say the essential thing that we experience as believers is this experience of forgiveness. And again, it's not enough to, to just give intellectual assent to this idea of forgiveness. We have to experience it. Maybe you remember the man uh, in the Gospels, uh, the paralyzed man who uh, was trying, his his friends decided to take him to Jesus. You remember the story? They put together a little cot. The four of them were carrying him, and they took him to the house. They couldn't even get in the door. The house was cram packed full of people, and, and houses in these days were, were very small. They were very limited in, in their capacities and that sort of thing. They also apparently had roofs that you could tear off, and one of the men got this idea. Let's, let's lower him through the roof, and so can you imagine Jesus' teaching in this packed uh, home and, and the, the ceiling's pretty low. The walls are not, it, it's not a huge room. The rooms were not big, but it was packed with people, just jam-packed, in fact, so full that you couldn't even get in the door. And as Jesus is teaching, all of a sudden, the ceiling starts, dust starts to come down, and then debris, and then some larger pieces, and people are stepping back, and all of a sudden, the sunlight comes through the roof, and, and somehow, whether, it, I don't know, ropes or cords, vines, whatever they had they, they lowered this man down in front of Jesus. So here's all of this debris the crowds press back, everybody's against the wall. It's It's one of these moments that nobody was expecting and here lies a man who can't walk in front of Jesus and Jesus' first words were my son your sins are forgiven How important is forgiveness? It's it's the essential. Religious people may not understand this, but it's forgiveness as part of the believer's experience. I was trying to think as I was praying last night and thinking about the message, I was trying to think, How did I feel when I was first forgiven? And the the first recognized that I was forgiven. I was 13 years old, uh, went forward in a church service. First time I had really heard the gospel in a way that I could understand it. And I responded to that. And I was trying to remember, what did that feel like? You know, the psalmist says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. The only thing that I could compare it to was remembering what it felt like on the last day of school. Some of you are recalling it. Uh, I just talked to a, a friend. He said <laughs> he, he, he led a Christian school. And he said on the last day of Christian school, they took the textbooks that the kids had had uh, or not the textbooks, but the workbooks that the kids had used. They'd written in all year long. He said, we took them out to a firing range and let the kids actually shoot them with a 22. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's the feeling that feeling where, where it says, you know what? No more ties, no more responsibilities. and I am, what's the word? Free. That's the experience of forgiveness. And let me tell you, if you have not experienced that, I mean that kind of forgiveness, not just human forgiveness where somebody says, you know what, I forgive you. But you experience the forgiveness of God, it changes everything. And it's not enough just to theorize about it. It's not enough just to believe it. You, you and I have to experience it. Are there any basketball players in the room? Any Okay, some some people that are willing to admit it. Anybody who's ever played basketball? Okay, anybody who's ever heard of basketball? Okay, there, there are several that have. Okay, uh, in basketball, it's really important to have a good vertical leap, right? It, it's a huge advantage, and they, they try to train you to have great vertical leap. I came across, you basketball players need to hear this. I came across this, Erasmus University in Rotterdam, in their school of management, they did a study, it was an international study, and this is what they, what they discovered, that people who, who experience and practice forgiveness, in other words, they've experienced forgiveness and they practice forgiveness, they have given forgiven someone else, that individuals who have experienced that actually have, according to their tests, a higher vertical leap. You ever heard somebody say, boy, I'm carrying such a burden, Physically, physically, it affects us. The same group of people, the same study. They asked uh, those who were climbing a mountainside. They asked them about the steepness of the mountain, and they discovered that those who had experienced and expressed forgiveness recently felt like the incline of the mountain was less as they were climbing it. And I have to believe that that that's true not just in our physical lives, but but in this this whole. Uh, uh, concept of experiencing forgiveness, it changes everything. And and you and I know if if you've experienced the forgiveness of God, you know you feel like you're just a little bit taller. You feel like there's there's just a a lot more freedom, that there's a weight that's taken off of your life. Everything changes when we know that we're forgiven. I love it. Eternal life. Jesus came that we would experience that kind of forgiveness. John chapter one and verse 14 says in him, in Jesus was the life and the life was the light of men. John eleven twenty five says, uh, Jesus speaking to Martha, and he says, "I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies." And that experience of eternal life, that experience of forgiveness, is ours the moment we receive Christ as our Savior. Whew. Is anybody here in the room glad for forgiveness this morning? now forgiveness not only sets us free it not only changes us internally but forgiveness empowers us to forgive other people Jesus talked about forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer you might remember it when when he, he said in the Lord's Prayer the disciples came and said Jesus teach us how to pray and Jesus as part of that prayer said and forgive us our debts any former Presbyterians in the room that's the way we did it in the Presbyterian Church any Methodists in the room forgive us our trespasses thank you very much Forgive us our sins as we also have forgiven those who've sinned against us, essentially is what Jesus is saying. And then he goes on in verses 14 and 15, the same chapter, he kind of explains, it's the only part of the Lord's prayer that he really explains. And he says, for if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. Now, I don't think that what Jesus was saying here was that uh, you forgive people in your strength You get your life straightened out and then I can forgive you. I don't think that's what he was saying. I think what he was saying was that the mark of a Christian is that we live a life of forgiveness. In other words, if I've experienced Jesus' forgiveness, I'll I'll forgive other people. We have that fresh ability. Now, I don't know what you've experienced. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know who you need to forgive. But I do want to encourage you. If there's someone who, even as I'm talking, pops into your mind and you're thinking, I need to forgive them. I want to encourage you to lean on the Lord and receive his power to extend and express forgiveness. It won't just give you a bigger, higher vertical leap. It'll change your life. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, Jesus or Paul wrote, and he said, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, you got to complain against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And I would imagine just by statistics and percentages that there's somebody in the room this morning who's walking in unforgiveness and you're really looking for a way that you can extend forgiveness to someone and I would just encourage you this morning get in touch with how much God has forgiven you and his Holy Spirit will empower you to forgive now as I say that please understand I'm not saying that what happened to you didn't happen or that it's inconsequential some of you are carrying tremendous hurts this morning you carried them into this room Carrying that kind of a weight is not what God has designed us for. And as you carry that weight, you're simply empowering the person that hurt you to continue to hurt you. Forgiveness isn't saying that what they did was right. Forgiveness is saying, you know what? I'm going to leave that with God. He's forgiven me. I'm going to extend forgiveness. As you do that, it will set you free. Because I'll tell you what, if you're living with unforgiveness and you're having sleepless nights, the person that offended you probably is not. So you can set yourself free by extending forgiveness to them and allowing God just to handle that and and recognizing again how much he's forgiven you. The third thing that that I notice about forgiveness, this is really, really why I came this morning. Forgiveness motivates us to reach other people. If you've genuinely experienced forgiveness, and I know there are a number of you in the room that have genuinely experienced the forgiveness of God, not only do we experience that, not only do we come and see the power of the resurrection, but as the angel said to the women, now go and tell. In fact, they said, go and quickly tell his disciples what's happened. It's the first testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, these two women. And that really is a a, a part, it's it's part and parcel of the forgiveness experience that we also need to go and tell. It's not enough to have the experience. That'll get you to heaven, but it won't bring anybody with you. So we've got to have this, this second portion of not only going and seeing, not only experiencing the fullness of forgiveness, but recognizing that other people need to experience that forgiveness also. And I have to tell you, I'm, I, I didn't come just to compliment you as a church, but I have to compliment you because you have a reputation as a church of being others-oriented, of looking beyond yourselves. You're not just concerned about this facility. You're not just concerned about this group of people who are already established in the kingdom of God, but you're concerned about people who have yet to hear. And I have to tell you, not every church does that. In fact, I served as superintendent for 12 years, and in that time, we averaged about eight to 10 churches that were open that were looking for pastors throughout the the state of Iowa. We have about 120 churches. During that time, I would go and meet with church boards, and 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 I would I would say to them, you know, what are you looking for in a pastor? And I'm going to say this out loud. I'm probably I can't get in trouble. I'm already done. Um, <laughs> I never heard a church board say, we're looking for someone who will help us to reach our community. And you know, really, gang, that should be top of mind. Because if if I've experienced forgiveness, the thing that should be on my mind all the time is everybody needs to experience this. Everybody needs to experience this. And I just, I, I do wanna say congratulations. Pastor's word for today is beyond. You're doing extremely well, but I wonder what the next step might be for you as a church. I wonder what the next step might be. Pastor, you did such a masterful job of this, really setting this whole thing up. What's the next step for you personally? What's the next step for your family? What's the next step for you as a church? And I, I just wonder about that because you're committed to reaching people. You're committed to reaching people locally, locally, you're committed to reaching people regionally you're committed to reaching people globally around the world you're doing a great job of reaching out I, 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 just, I just want to remind you of what's going on and you know all of this but you, you support ministry to children and youth I, I love the story of the evangelist who took off he was on a three day uh, trip he was uh, preaching in churches and, and came back home to his wife and, and she said well how was your weekend he said well we we, we had three and a half people saved And she said, well, you shouldn't talk about kids that way. They're not half people. And he said, oh, no, we had two kids that were saved and one adult. The adult only has half of his life left. (laughs) You guys get that. You understand that investing in the next generation changes lives. And I wonder who's in your children's church this morning. Who's going to grow up to be an incredible business person and, and donates money to missions around the world. I wonder who's in... Usually it's it's the kids that are hardest to control that grow up to be pastors. I wonder who's some of you thought of of that child just now and you thought no way there's no way that's going to yes it could. But you you understand that you understand that, that the young person who's testing their skills in, in the student ministry in your church, who's testing them right now, is going to going to be raised up to be a champion for Christ. You you get that. You support college ministry. You, you support uh, individuals who are in college. You you you've you've supported uh, Chi Alpha across the state. I, you work locally to see people come to Christ. But I wonder what the next step is. I wonder what the next step is. I don't know. You support Iowa missions. Over the last five years, we have planted in Iowa, planted or parent-affiliated churches like you've done with Knoxville, or revitalized 16 churches in the last five years. It's wonderful, but I have to tell you, what's happened with your church in Knoxville was a game-changer in Iowa. It was a game changer. I I know you just saw the need and you said, hey, I think we can fill it. But pastor, I remember the night we were at a banquet together, which is what preachers do. We go to banquets, but um, we were at a banquet together and and pastor approached me and he said, hey, Knoxville, I hear it's closed down. Is there any way that we could work together to restart that church? Now, how many a week are they ministering to? 100, 100 plus people. Gang, that church was never that big. It's never been that big. But it was your desire to reach out. And Pastor Dave and Sarah are doing a, 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 an incredible job there. Yeah. But I have to tell you, not every church is looking to do that. Because it costs you. Sometimes you send friends <laughs> that you really enjoy being in church with. And you, you, you've sent them to Knoxville. Because you see that, that it's it's not just what happens here. what It's what happens beyond. Uh, you've supported uh, Sunstream Campground. And, and as a former superintendent, I just want to say thank you. This last year, uh, we did five camps. And, and just, let me just brag for a second. Five camps, 1,169 kids and, and teen campers. Thank you very much for sending your kids. 208 counselors. If you serve as a counselor, God bless you. The vast majority of our counselors take a week of vacation to go spend with kids. God bless you. The individual impact, 65 campers gave their hearts to Jesus for the first time. 271 campers rededicated their lives to following Jesus. Uh, 68 campers were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, 88 campers were refilled They said they had an overwhelming sense of, of, of the power of the Holy Spirit 136 campers Experienced some kind of physical healing Or emotional healing 66 Campers felt uh, calling into a Specific marketplace occupation I love this about our DYD Adam Colossic He says you know everybody's called Some are called into ministry But everybody's called I know a called dentist who is transforming lives. 66 campers felt called into some specific marketplace occupation. 87 campers realized their God-given purpose is to serve in vocational ministry. You guys have invested in that. You invest your time. You invest your finances. You invest your resources. You you invest your prayers to go beyond. Why? Because it's, here's what I'm convinced of. God loves everybody but he prioritizes people who are furthest from him. God loves everybody but he prioritizes so when somebody says well pastor what about us you know you're 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 reaching out to young people but what about us old folks well here's the deal God loves you but if you're already in you're not his priority. Sorry for offending. I'm not his priority. You say, well, give me chapter and verse for that. Jesus told the story about a shepherd who had 99 sheep, actually had 100 sheep. One of them wandered off. And it would have made good sense, if you're a shepherd, to stay with the 99 and make sure that they're cared for. But Jesus told the story of the shepherd, and what did he do? He went after the one. Why? Because he loved all of his sheep, but he prioritized those that were far from him. And you as a church get that. So I, I think you've done an outstanding job of being intergenerational, the worship service this morning. You've, you have, you're reaching all the generations. But I, I have to tell you, persons of every age that are far from God are his highest priority here in Indianola. They're, they're the ones that the Holy Spirit is looking over right now. And you, you get that as a church. Not only do you reach out locally, not only do you reach out regionally, you're impacting your community, but you, you reach out globally. And Pastor and I were just talking about this last week, 95% of AG constituents, constituents in the Assemblies of God, 95% are outside the United States. Did you know that? If you look at our statistics, we have about 3 million uh, plus 3.5 million, something like that uh, people who would call the Assemblies of God their home here in the United States. Worldwide we're at about 67 million. So it's really a phenomenal thing. You see you're part of a church movement who has always been thinking about beyond. Always been thinking about the others. We have over 2,000 missionaries in 140 countries around the world today. Just in Iowa, there are 19, I think now 20 uh, missionary units that are around the world. And I'm, I'm blown away by this. It's so fun to be part of a larger church family. But just in the Assemblies of God, and, and we're just our, our, this little slice that God has in the world. But just in the Assemblies of God, every 95 minutes, a new church is planted. Every 95 minutes... Since we've been here this morning, there's another church that's been planted somewhere in the world. And every 37 seconds, every 37 seconds, a new believer is added to the church. Wow. We're part of that through our prayers, through our giving, through what we're doing. You know, I I don't know about you, but I long to see the day of Pentecost revisited. Right? The day that there were 3,000 people added to the church. Incredible day. Incredible day. In fact, I've, I've thought several times, if, if when I get to heaven, I want to see Jesus first, right? Because the Bible says when I see him, I'll be changed because I'll see him as he really is. So I, I want to experience that. But next, well, I've got some loved ones I want to see also, but somewhere in the top, I'd love to go talk to the Apostle Peter and just say, what was it like, right, on the day of Pentecost to see 3,000 people come to Christ? A few years ago, Lori and I were in the Holy Land. We saw one of the the baptistries, so to speak, uh, washing areas that was right where they met on the day of Pentecost. And I thought, how did they do this? You know, as a pastor, I'm thinking... um, Did they line up? How long was that line? How long did it take? And, you know, sister so-and-so shares too long of a testimony. You know, how many days would it take to baptize? Anyway, I I was thinking through, but what a day. I'd love, I I look forward to asking the Apostle Peter, what was it like on one day to see 3,000 people saved? But, you know, today, just in the assemblies of God, just in the assemblies of God, Every day, 2,335 people are saved. Every day. And I wonder if maybe Peter is waiting in heaven to ask us, what was it like to be a part of the kingdom of God in a day when 16,000 people came to Christ every week? And Peter might be saying to us, tell me about that. We live in an incredible day. I don't know where where you're at in this whole process, whether you need forgiveness this morning, whether you need to extend forgiveness, whether you've experienced that gift of eternal life. Or maybe God is speaking to you about what's the next step for you? What is the God speaking to you about and what, what does He want you to do as a next step? As an individual, your personal walk with God as a family as a church what's the next step that God has for you would you stand with me I'm going to invite pastor to come in just a moment but I'd love the opportunity to pray with you let's pray heavenly father as as, uh, as we're in this place together we are so grateful for the presence of God we're grateful Lord for your touch on our lives we're grateful for the offering that you give us of real forgiveness As we're praying this morning and heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I wonder if there's someone today who says, you know, I'm not sure that I've really experienced that forgiveness. I'm not sure that it's really been mine. If you would just slip up your hand, just by that upraised hand, you'd just say, Tom, would you please pray for me? Because I'm not sure I've ever experienced that. Thank you, sir. You can put your hand right back down. Are there others? You just want to be sure this morning. I don't want I don't want to miss an opportunity. Would you pray this prayer? Thank you. Thank you, miss. Thank you very much. Would you pray this prayer with me? And and I'm going to ask all of you to pray it with me in support of these who have raised their hands. If you would just pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin, the things I've done wrong. I invite you to be in my life, the leader of my life, the changer of my life, the forgiver of my sins. All that I am, all that I have, and all that I hope to be is yours. I turn away from my sin, and I turn toward you. And I thank you for changing me. Thank you for the experience of your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And Lord, I, I pray also for those who today are, are needing to extend forgiveness to someone. Lord, that in this moment of time, even as, as I brought these things up, it may have brought up some pain for them. But I pray that you'd release them of that pain and that burden. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would visit them even in this moment of time and empower them to extend forgiveness. God, only you can do it, but you do it so well. Set my friends free this morning, Lord. And now, Lord, I pray your blessing upon this church. God, I thank you for the impact that they have had here locally, that they've had across the state of Iowa, that they've had globally. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness that's been manifest in and through this body of believers. And now I pray your blessing upon them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. (laughs) Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First Assembly of God podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest message.